how are you doing? I'm glad that you're here, even though the NFL playoffs are on TV. <laughs> so you're dedicated to God. Amen. That's great. Uh, Pastor John is off island, so this morning, uh, Robin Ventura and myself will be tag teaming on the mes uh, message. And Robin has been with the church over 30-something years. Yeah, and, sh and she's led the intercessor team or intercessor ministry for over 25 years. And I got to know Robin about uh, more so uh, two and a uh, year and a half ago. I joined the prayer team, and I learned so much about prayer, um, and I grew through that. And so I think we're really blessed to have her share her heart in the area of prayer. Let's welcome Robin as she comes. Thank you. And I've got to say, since Pastor Lance came on, he has been amazing mentoring and helping the intercession, intercession ministry grow so much. So I really appreciate uh, his leadership and guidance. Um, he asked me to explain how I became the head intercessor. Um, when I first started at Grace Bible in 1991, I worked full time. I had two kids in high school. Uh, my husband was coaching soccer. I was helping him. And life was busy. And so I couldn't do a lot of things for the church. But Pastor Eddie, who was a senior pastor at that time, um, because Pastor John was still in high school. Uh, so Pastor Eddie had uh, a team pray through the night for 24 hours before Sunday uh, for, the for the service for the people that were coming. And I thought, that's something I can do, even though it's busy. So I signed up for like a 2 o'clock in the morning service or a slot or 3 o'clock, just praying for half an hour. And then gradually I got more and more involved with the prayer ministry the point that um, there were quite a few of them, and, and we were in a group meeting and saying, hey, we need a leader. And so we said, okay, everybody go home this week and pray. Who is supposed to be the leader? Who's God saying is supposed to be the leader? So during the week, I kind of felt like God said, it's going to be you. And I thought, no, that's pride. <laughs> Get away from me, Satan. And then um, came back Sunday, and we had strong male intercessors. One was Keith Kokos, Ethan uh, uh, Adachi, who's now on Oahu, um, Kevin Ishihara, I can't remember some of the other ones, but so I was really sure that it would be one of the men and came back the next Sunday and um, I said, Ethan, it's got to be you, right? No, Kevin, it's got to be you, right? No, Keith, you? They all said, no, God didn't say. And I thought, wow, then I did hear God. And so I took it with fear and trepidation and much trembling and uh, had a lot of learning to do, a lot of growing. And because Pastor Eddie was a man of prayer, I think that's why God led me to this church in the first place, because uh, what the leader does filters down to the people. And Pastor Eddie being a man of prayer, and now Pastor John, it's filtered down to me. And we have a great intercessors team. Right now we have about 60-some on the email list. So it's, it's done tremendous things. God gets all the glory. Um, so this is a month that we are setting apart uh, the Every Nation churches around the world for prayer and fasting. And the, um, the theme is set apart. So why are we set apart? And let's read the scripture. Um, the first one's Revelation 15, 4. And can you all read it with me? One, two, three. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you. And then, number one, God is great and God is glorious. Psalms 96.4. Let's all read it together. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. 
He is to be feared above all gods. So if we look at the Bible from Genesis through the current, the people of God got attacked, but God always won. God's history stands for his story, and that's what the Bible is, his story, how he has called people to himself. He's called people out of other nations. He is, uh, his desire is that all should be saved, that none should perish. He wants all men to know him. And in, I think it's Jeremiah, he says, choose life. He doesn't want any of us to perish, but to all choose life. So God is a great God. And then Psalms 96, verse 3, 7, and 8. Declare his glory among the nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. And we live in the most beautiful island in the world. If you look up at Haleakala, you see the massiveness of a volcano that we live on. And behind the volcano is this blue sky. And sometimes when I'm out walking, I try and look up and see how deep is the blueness. And with my finite eyes, I can only see so much. But you know the, the blue is vast and the heavens are vast. And then you look down, if you go the other direction, because I live in Pukalani, if you're coming down, you see the isthmus with water on both sides, you see the West Maui green mountains, which are just going, and above it all, this canopy of blue. It's just incredible. And one time, I was flying from Kahului to Molokai on Mokalele Airlines, and they fly kind of low. But as we flew over the ocean, you could just see the white waves all around. It's like a lay. God put a lay around the island, and I thought, he is so magnificent. He is so wonderful. Um, it's so easy to give him glory. Just open your eyes and look around. And then you look at the sunsets. Oh, I love sunsets. If you look on my pictures on my phone, probably 75% are sunsets. Because um, <laughs> I don't have kids anymore. They're out of the house. Uh, so God loves beauty, and everything he made is beautiful. Number two, he is the creator and he is majestic. So Psalms 96.5, let's read it together. For the God of all the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So while I was preparing for this message, I thought, hmm, I know there's a lot of galaxies. I wonder how many. So I looked it up, and Mario Livio, an astrophysicist at the Space Telescope Science Institute in Baltimore, Maryland, said, while estimates among different experts vary, an acceptable range is between 100 billion and 200 billion galaxies. That just blows my mind. And so some nights I go outside and I look at the stars and knowing that there are billions of galaxies out there that I can't even see, but God put each one in place and he spun them all so they're in orbit, so they're not crashing into each other. And they're all controlled by our God. And the Bible says he knows the name of every star of every planet. So one time I was going through a real rough patch, and every time my phone would ring, I'd get a knot in my stomach because I knew it was another problem and something I had to solve. And it was usually at night, and I was tired. But uh, So he gave me a vision, and he kind of took me way out into the middle of a galaxy. And he said, what do you see? And I said, wow, God, look at the magnificence of this and that you are in control of everything, every planet, every star, you are in control. And he said to me, if I can control all of this, and he zoomed me back down, and I turned around, and I looked at the earth and my little house, and he said, don't you think I can control that problem you're having? Wow, yes, God. And it, I was able to surrender it then, and just 
put my trust in him. And because I have that memory, now going forward, when a, when a problem comes, I can go lean back on that and say, I can trust you, God. You've been worthy in the past. You'll be worthy going forward. And, you know, as the planets are spinning and we're standing on solid ground, and it feels like we're standing still, but our planet is spinning. I can't even tell you how fast. And we're going in circles around the sun, and yet we're standing still. God is in control. God has us firm. And just like we trust standing on the earth, we're not going to spin off into uh, no nothingness. God is in control of us, keeping us stable when our feet are on him, the solid ground. Psalms 145.5. Let's all read it together. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. God has incredible works. Mary, after she conceived Jesus by the Holy Spirit, affirmed in the Gospel of Luke, for with God, nothing is impossible. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too difficult for you. So I want to ask you, what is your biggest problem? What keeps you up at night? What, when the thought comes to your mind, what makes your stomach go into a knot, your heart to pound? Give it to God. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He can handle your problems, no matter how big, how insurmountable. We've got some really big problems on this island now, but God can handle it. So as we ponder this great and glorious God who's majestic and who created everything seen and unseen, he created the oxygen, he created wisdom and knowledge and understanding, it's astounding to realize that God invites us into his presence to talk to him, to pray with him, if we've surrendered our lives to Jesus and make, made him Lord. Years ago, I saw a drawing of a big heart, and in the center was a little throne. And they said, that, that's your heart, and the throne is in your heart. Who's going to be on the throne of your heart? I surrendered my right. I don't demand, Lord, no, I want my way. Sometimes I do. And he says, do you really? I, no, God, I give it to you. I want Jesus on the throne of my heart. But each person has to make that decision individually. If I surrender to Jesus, this next scripture fits. Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. He invites us into his presence. We don't have to beg. We don't have to grovel. When I went to Mexico many, many years ago, went to Mexico City in that big cathedral there and saw people from a block away on their knees crawling. That was their form of penance to try to be able to earn their right to go into God's presence. We don't have to do that because Jesus paid the price for us on the cross. He invites us to come boldly before his throne. And in Ephesians 1.6 it says, we are seated with him in heavenly places. So we can take our concerns, take our, our thoughts, take our cares, to him with boldness, with confidence that he's our dad and he loves us. When I was in high school, in the morning I would get dressed and then come out to the kitchen. And my dad was an early bird and he was sitting there eating breakfast. And so I could sit and talk with him for about half hour, 45 minutes before I'd leave for school. I could tell him all my problems. I could tell him about my car problems, about my classes, about my girlfriends, about my boyfriend, whom I later married. But um, that's what prayer is, talking to your Heavenly Father. Uh, Romans 8, 15 and 16. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself bears witness that we are, with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, I just know a little bit of Hebrew, but the, the name Abba is a familiar form. The formal father is Ab. And I've never called my dad father. It's always dad, or when I was little, daddy. And so Jesus tells us we don't have to come before God with the formality of Ab and father. Like, that gives me a picture of the Lincoln Memorial, the, him sitting stone-like on a big, massive chair. That's not our God. Our God has a throne, but he's not stone cold and hard and making us come in fear and trembling, although because of his magnificence, we usually would be fear and If John, who walked with Jesus for three and a half years after Jesus died and resurrected, when he saw Jesus again, he fell on his face in fear. So I'm, I'm wondering what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. But, but he wants us to come with a familiarity and a confidence of his love and acceptance of us. When that dad that I talked about that I would come out to in, uh, in the morning wasn't my biological father. My parents divorced when I was six, and my mom remarried when I was nine, and he became my real dad. He's my adopted dad, but he's my real dad. And he was always there for me. And um, because of our relationship, because of the way he loved me and I felt loved and the way I loved him, I know that even though we're adopted into God's family, he loves us as much as he loves Jesus. And as I was preparing this morning, I thought, oh, that sounds sacrilegious. How can God love me as much as he loves his firstborn son, Jesus? And so I went into um, John 17, the, the Jesus' prayer, and it says that we may be one and that you will love them as you love me. So I thought, okay, that's scriptural. I can say it. Jesus loves me. I mean, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. And that's because I've made Jesus the keeper of the throne in my heart. I know I am loved and I am accepted in the beloved. When I went to Cleansing Stream, this was in the year about the year 2000, I didn't feel accepted. I didn't feel like I fit or that I was capable. And that night at the Cleansing Stream retreat, they broke down rejection and fear of rejection. And I, that they quoted that scripture over us, I am accepted in the beloved and it changed my life to know that I am accepted by God I am loved by God, and I am his daughter. So going to prayer now, common misconceptions are that prayer is hard and that you have to use flowery sentences or big words like propitiation or sacrifice or um, partake, sanctification, justification, but that's not prayer. We tend to make it scary and hard, and we tell ourselves, I'm not good enough. I can't pray like that person can. But that's a lie of the enemy. The enemy is trying to keep you from doing what God created you to do. God created you to have a relationship with him, to, to know him, to love him. And a lot of people say, I don't hear God. You probably do, you just haven't learned to recognize his voice. And with practice, you do learn to recognize the voice of God. Prayer is talking to Jesus, and Jen led us in that song this morning, to sit at his feet, to breathe, to feel, uh, put my heart, my head against his heart to hear what's on his mind. That's prayer, to just spend time in his presence, talking to him, loving him, letting him love on you. A simple but powerful way to learn is to jump into a prayer pocket. We have prayer pockets Sunday through Thursday. There's a card in your bulletin 
that um, talks about the different prayer pockets, but why prayer pockets? So Jesus said, when you pray, go to go into your prayer closet. Well, what is in closets? Pockets. Lots and lots of pockets. We keep our phones in our pockets. We keep hidden away. Car keys in our pockets. Why do we put things in pockets? So they're set apart, so that we can find them when we need them. This is like our prayer pockets. When we go into a prayer pocket, we're set apart. We can find God, God can find us. We're there for a purpose. It's a time of joining with a few others to be set apart to pray for the church. Now, Grace Bible has been called to great things. It started after the fires, and the church stepped up to really reach out to the community, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we've got such a destiny in this coming year, but it needs to be lifted up and held in prayer. And so that's why we're doing prayer pockets. We've got prayer pockets Sunday through Thursday. We're waiting for more to be formed on Friday and Saturday, but we're not there yet. But um, they meet in person or on Zoom. And each week, the pastors give the prayer pocket leaders a list of prayer points. There's a lot of Ps. <laughs> so um, the, the, you just go to the prayer pocket. You can do it in person or on Zoom and you pray over the needs of the church, and you're blessing the church. That's a foundation that upholds the church for all of the endeavors we have, the way we can reach the community, transform this island with the kingdom of God. Um, some prayer pockets only meet for 15 minutes. Others meet for half hour, others to an hour. But each day, our church is being covered with prayer, and that's important. So, um, why, how long did our Savior, our mentor, pray? And why do we pray? So when G we all know the story that Jesus walked on water. It's in Matthew 14. He had just finished feeding uh, 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And he sent the people away, and he sent his disciples away, and he was going up to the mountains to pray. So if you look at the time of that, my calculation is it had to still be light. So maybe 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the evening, he sent them away and he went up to the mountain because he didn't have a flashlight. So um, then they said, it's very specific in Matthew, that in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus walked to them. So the first watch is six to nine, second watch nine to 12, third watch 12 to three, fourth watch was between three in the morning and six in the morning. Jesus had prayed probably at least eight hours and he got into his father's presence. He was filled with power and he was able to walk on water so my suggestion to us is that as we spend more time in prayer, as we spend time growing close to God, hearing him, having him fill our hearts and our lives, we will become more powerful. We will become more um, disseminators of the things he wants to do. What's on God's heart, he will work through us. The work's already been done on the cross. We're just enforcing it here on earth. And so we learned last year, practice makes perfection. Uh, practice makes uh, permanent. So I encourage you, jump into a prayer pocket, start practicing, and get that relationship with God stronger and higher and, and deeper. So now I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Lance. That was great. I love when Robin teaches. She teaches us in the prayer meetings and She's been just so awesome. You, you like 
you want to learn how to pray or have a heart of prayer, as Robin said, you can pray by yourself, but get involved in a prayer environment will help you grow even more so. And um, just being there, something happens. I remember at, uh, after church, there was a meeting. I went to a meeting, and Gerald Tom was in the meeting, and he looked at me, and he said, oh, you look all tired. What happened to you? <laughs> and then I told him, well, I was in the children's church. <laughs> and in the children's church, I wasn't even teaching. I was just there helping Don Miguita. She was doing all the teaching. I was watching the kids, and it affected me just being there. And I was thinking, it was just like if you're in a prayer atmosphere, it's going to come on you. You're going to learn and hear God's voice even more. And, you know, this, this uh, month, we have it set aside, and we're doing fasting and prayer during this month. And it takes a step of faith to fast. And when you talk about fasting, I'm, faith, faith will always challenge you to do something that you're not comfortable with. It gets us out of ourselves. And if you've never fasted, there's a booklet in the back uh, in the lobby that you can take and look over it and jump in and try it and see what God does in your life. I don't like to fast um, because I like to eat, you know, and, and usually I get this headache and then I get all grouchy. But my wife is more grouchy than me. <laughs> you know, God answers prayers. And last week when Pastor John spoke the message after service, his wife Jocelyn was walking by me and she said, oh, I thought you were supposed to help with the message last week. And I looked at her smiling and I said, God answers prayers. <laughs> because the week before in the staff meeting, it was decided that Pastor John and I would tag team last week. And I was praying. I said, God, I don't think I should do it. You know, you know, I was going back and forth. And then come Friday, uh, we just to review the notes, nothing. And then Saturday morning, Pastor John texts me, oh, okay, I'm going to do the entire message. And I went, yes, God answers prayers. <laughs> we have a God who answers the prayers of your life. Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, so he's saying this, we need to pray. We always need to pray. In other words, God wants to spend time with you. He wants to hear your heart, your needs, what you're going through, and what you've been through. And I know that some of you have gone through life with lots of pain and hurt, and you're still following God. And I just want to tell you this, and what was on my heart, that your lives is like a sweet incense to God because of your faith, that you're still following him, and it touches God's heart in doing that. If you don't know where to start in prayer, the first thing I would say is this, set aside time. And number two, if you need guidance, you can start off with this acronym called ACTS. Adoration of who God is, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And you can look it on the internet, or we have a one-to-one -one booklet that you can go through with someone at church, and we explain about prayer. And you know, the scripture says this, that we need to give thanks in our life. And thanksgiving can come in many ways when you think about it. We can verbalize it with our words, Thank you, Lord. But you know what the Bible also says? That we can thank God by singing, singing to him. 
In the Passover, in Matthew chapter 26, when the Passover came, and it was actually the instituted communion, what we do, same thing, but a different era when Jesus came. And the Bible says this, at the end of Passover, or communion, they had prayers as a the ceremony. It's really a celebration. And they said at the end of it, it sang a, a hymn. Jesus took, they said, the Psalms 113 and 118 with the disciples, and he began to sing it. Sing the word of God. And he did it when he was going to fulfill the scripture of what's to come to the cross. He was going to give his life for us. And there's something about prayer and singing to God. And I believe that it gave him the strength to prepare him for what was ahead, which was the cross. You know, I can't sing or play an instrument like the, the worship team. They did such an awesome job this morning. I want to say thank you. It was great. Yeah, let's give them a hand. And, you know, I used to tell Pastor Zach, you know, if the worship is junk, I mean, not, not the junk, but not too good, then when, I, when, I, if, when the time comes and I share, I struggle. <laughs> so make sure worship is good. And it was great this morning. <laughs> but, you know, I can't play or sing like them. I can't carry a note. But I still can try to sing. And God wants us to sing, even if it's off-key. Even if we sound terrible or sound like just plain noise, but yet it touches God's heart. We need to learn to sing and pray. Pray and sing. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas was arrested. It says, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. Song of thanksgiving and praise to God. And the other pr prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, they heard a violent earthquake. The, the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The guard or the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison door open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he was responsible. Because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. They were praying and singing. Paul and Silas was really in a bad place in their life. They were in prisons. They had stocks on their feet. They were in chains. You know, they could have given up. They could have given up where they're at and saying, God, why am I here? I'm doing your work, your ministry, and this thing happened. But yet, they made a decision in their life. They decided to pray and to sing to God. And guess what happened? When they, when they did it, heaven took notice, and a divine occurrence happened. They were freed. The chains fell off. The prison doors was open. Something happened when not only they prayed, but they sang. Can we have the worship team come up? You know, a couple um, weeks ago when uh, Pastor John was 
doing the stories of grace and they had the pastor from Lahaina sharing his story. And before that, uh, Pastor John shared that as they were going in the time of Lahaina, they were bringing supplies to Lahaina. They had to use a boat because the roadways were all blocked, blocked off. So they took the um, boat around. And so they're going to Lahaina. They seen in Lahaina, there was this one structure that was untouched. Everything around it was burnt. And there was a structure that wasn't even touched. And the story he finds out, he comes to that there was a woman there in the structure that was there all night. And she was praying. He said she was praying. And so that Sunday when uh, Pastor Jason was here, she was in the congregation uh, with, the, with the group, with the church members. And she stood up and uh, everybody acknowledged her. So after church, I beelined to her because I wanted to find out more of her story. And then she began to tell her story to me. She said, in the midst of the fire and where she was as when she ended up in the restroom, she said she could feel the heat all around the whole building, the fire coming in, and all the uh, smoke was coming into the place where she's at in the restroom. And she said this to me. She said, I was praying and I was singing to God. I was praying and I was singing to God. And that really spoke to me and I thought, man, Lord, I need to not only pray, but I need to sing to you what I pray. And each of us can sing before God. And he loves it when we do that to him. And so whatever you're, you know, we're going to sing uh, I love you, Lord. And shall we stand? And for service as we're singing it, let it be a sweet, sweet song. I just felt like God was saying that it is a sweet song. That when you sing, it is a sweet, sweet song to him. And if there, I just felt like some people may think, God, have you forgotten me? And I want to tell you that I feel that God is saying, I haven't forgotten you. I have not forgotten you. In fact, I've called you. I've called you to me, and I've called you to the world. And I'm going to do something in your life. I'm going to open some doors that have been shut before you. I'm going to do it. And the way the doors are going to open is when you begin to pray and also when you begin to sing that those doors is going to open for you. You're going to feel the presence of God like never before in your life. God has not forgotten you. He's going to be with you in 2024 like never before. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your love for each one here. Lord, that you love us and you'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's what the word says. Because you give Jesus for our sins. And you have a plan and purpose. So Lord, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name.
before we close, 